0: Welcome to TV My Husband Hates. I'm Kat Sims. And I am Reagan Kempton. And we are reality TV addicts. Addicts, uh, aficionados. Oh, I like that. Uh, experts. <laughs> experts. Basically, we know our shit when it comes to reality TV. 100%. Hi Reagan.
1: Hey Kat, how are you? I'm in New York. Uh, it looks amazing. So I think we should tell everybody: this is a special episode of TV My Husband Hates. It's not transatlantic this week. We're literally just doing it from New York to Colorado. So we're only a two-hour difference.
0: I know, which is which is amazing, but it's still not making the logistics. Any easier? We're still struggling with the same. I've still got crappy connection on my Skype, which is just making life really, really difficult for us. But it's fine. We're going to plough on through regardless. Yes, we'll we'll get we'll get it done. Yeah. So we're here because it's my husband's fortieth, and uh, we, th- this is our first time away without our kids. In. For more than a night in six years. I think that is bonkers. I know, because it is mental.
1: Because as you know, like we came to see, we came to run the London Marathon when I had two kids, but we've also been back, we had been back previously after having our oldest for like weddings and things like that. So we've had solid single, like without children, vacations since my oldest was nine months old. I mean, and I, I feel
0: like, I feel like on reflection, we probably should have done the same thing. It might've saved us a shit ton of money in therapy.
1: Well, I mean, you just spend that money on vacations anyway, so probably all evens out in the end.
0: Yeah. I think I'd rather spend it on vacations though.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Um, but yeah, so congratulations on your first solo vacation in six years. That's amazing.
0: I know we're really enjoying it. So this is our first morning we got here last night. Um, and, but let it be known that just because we're in New York on a romantic getaway does not come in the way of TV My Husband Hates.
1: No, and I totally appreciate you guys schlepping all of the podcast equipment with you to New York on your romantic getaway. <laughs> Jimmy was
0: like, when I, when I said to him last week, I was like, so how do you feel about us taking the podcast stuff to New York? And I could see like his first thought was, for fuck's sake, and then he kind of recovered and was like, sure, no problem. So here we are. It's a slightly weird setup if you're watching on um, on YouTube I do, with the video because we, could, we couldn't we could bring the mic stand. So I'm like speaking to a microphone in a cardboard box, but that's fine.
1: <laughs> I was going to ask you what that cardboard box was. and am like, uh, could you move it out of the way? It doesn't look good on video, but it'll work. It's totally fine.
0: Yeah, I did think about saying to Jimmy, but it doesn't look pretty. I thought he might like, lose his shit. So I I just nodded and was like, thanks, babe, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, best not to kill your husband on his 40th birthday. I picture Jimmy's head just exploding.
0: Yeah, I'm going to try and be nice
1: wife. So should we get going? Let's get started. So I think first up is uh, keeping up with the Kardashians.
0: I, uh, yeah, this was the one that, I think this was my favorite episode this week of all of them because... um, well, first of all, though it was just quote quote heavy, so I loved it. You know, we started off with "You said they rub your butthole," which for me felt <laughs> like it felt like an episode felt like an episode title.
1: Yeah, that that's going to be the the title of this episode. Done.
0: Um, but yeah, we just had a lot more from Chloe. We talked a lot last week about how she was a massive queen for just really taking that co parenting thing. And being the adult and really the only adult in that relationship, but um, but she 's taken that um, one step further this week, and not just doing the right thing for true, but then stepping up and being even more of an adult to do the right thing for Kylie as well, because obviously Jordan was her best friend, she's lost her best friend, and just chloe's maturity is never fails to amaze me.
1: no, I mean I, I think it is absolutely incredible that the woman her Baby's da- her baby daddy, uh, the woman that she cheated on with was her sister's best friend. And yet she's being the bigger one is like, do you want me to talk to her for the sake of your friendship? I also thought Kylie, the way she handled it was super chill. Like she's just like, you know what? Some people are in our lives for certain periods of times and actually looking back, maybe she was holding, you know, our friendship was maybe stopping my growth. And I think that's an amazingly mature thing to see at, cause I mean, she's in her early twenties. I, I was yeah. not that mature in my early twenties.
0: No, I said exactly the same thing. I was just again, like all praise, Mama, Mama, Chris, because she's raised these kids to be just super compassionate, super empathetic, super kind. And I was su- I was surprised with Kylie's response as well because she's so much younger. You might have thought that maybe there was a little bit of anger or backlash or you know energy there, but she was like, you know what. I'm in a good place and maybe everything happens for a reason and I can find the good in this. And we might, you know, she's not writing off that friendship, but I think for now it's good. And I just, you know, I can't imagine many families being that grown up and that kind of mature about it.
1: No, not at all. And I mean, part of me wonders if because they are such a blended family, a lot of this like co-parenting that we're seeing in this season and a lot of maturity kind of is just coming from their mom and how she handled co-parenting, you know, and how she handled the breakup of, you know, a couple of marriages and how she's just kind of trucked on and how she's always really been there for them. I think that is super eye opening to me because I don't think people necessarily attribute that to Chris Jenner, Kardashian, whatever she's deciding to be now. I think a lot of people write her off and is like, oh, you know, she's throwing her kids out of social media. She's kind of whoring them out for all this fame. But I actually think she's a really good mom. And I think if you just look at the maturity level and the decisions being made of all of her kids' businesses, all of their, you know, personal relationships, I think they're all in really good places.
0: Yeah, and, I, and honestly i'm in love with chris but but speaking about her maturity level let's talk about the prank that she played on kim and i swear on my life because we all know that they love pranks like this is her thing but i swear on my life when when i watched the full footage and i saw kim get that phone call and i heard chloe's voice i actually wrote what did i write i swear i wrote this it occurred to me that it might be a joke to show Kim how ridiculous the security is. And then as it went, I was like, no, this isn't a joke. There's no way that they would go this far. And th- But then when it was, I was like, fuck me. My respect for Chris has just gone through the roof.
1: She is the queen of the pranks from this episode. Like, nobody can top this. I mean, there are body doubles. There's like a whole elaborate <laughs> plan. There's different security. But I mean, Kim's security is ridiculous. I understand it to a certain degree, but I think the prank that Chris pulled was just fucking epic.
0: It was epic. I mean, and and again, in any family didn't love and respect each other as much as they do, some people might get really pissed about that. Like, she it was on the maybe it was over the line, but it was it was just brilliant that even Kim was like she none of them take themselves too seriously, and I really think this is a misconception that people have of the Kardashians that you know, they it's all about selfies and duck faces and big butts. But actually, you know, they can have a laugh. And the fact that Kim didn't lose her shit at that was, was, I think I would have lost my shit.
1: I would have 100% lost my shit. Like, you know, A, you've pulled me away from whatever I was doing for this, like, ridiculous prank for security that you know that we need, that we've all had this discussion about. I 100% would have lost my shit. I, I am not that cool under pressure. <laughs> I would have then eventually been like, never mind, that was amazing. But at, at that moment, my first reaction would have been to lose my shit.
0: Yeah, 100% me too. So I, again, there was just, everybody took it in the way that it was intended. I mean, I know there are cameras around, and, but that doesn't stop them losing them sh- their shit at other times. So I'm just, this was an episode for me that just made me go, you know what, I just, I want to be a Kardashian.
1: Yeah, I mean, this I feel like this episode really reignited my love for them because the first episode I was kind of like, oh, my gosh, am am I actually over the show? Like, you know, (gasps) I don't see a lot like I mean, it was just like a like a fleeting moment. The very first episode, then the second episode got really into like the co-parenting and things like that, which tugged me back in. And then like this episode was like everything I love about them, the Freaky ass, crazy pranks that they pull on each other. The I don't know. It 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 won me back over. I mean, I was never gonna stop course, watching, let's be honest.
0: Well, no, good, because that's just blasphemous in this podcast. But um then, of course, we had Whoop Your Ass Gate. Or in fact yeah. more, Whoop
1: Her Ass Gate. Whoop her ass gate. Um so I think the real story behind just this episode was that. Court had to fire her nanny because Penelope scratched her in the face. I don't really know, like, what actually happened other than watching the episode. But um, this is when we see Corey kind of open his mouth and uh, really not think before he spoke, in my opinion. Like, I kind of understood what he was getting at, and I think he was using whooper-ass as kind of a colloquialism versus... I would actually beat her ass. Um, but I don't think it was delivered in the right way at all.
0: No, and i it, it's kind of an interesting one for me because the whole episode kind of built us up to this theme of of Courtney's, whether she's disciplining the kids enough. And obviously we had Mason say he wanted to fight in school, so that was kind of leading on. And then Penelope, the Penelope issue comes up. Here's my thing. I mean, kids, no matter how how well-behaved they are, are just going to be assholes at some point. And they are going to scratch and kick and bite because that's what they do. They don't have a grown-up brain yet, you know. So I get that they're going to lash out. That's fine. I don't think that means you're a terrible parent. Um, but I don't even care. I mean, I care whether you beat your kids. Of course I care whether you beat your kids. But, like, you know, if you choose to do a, a disciplinary smack on your kids, that for me is entirely up to you. I'm not going to sit here and judge you. But I don't think you can ever suggest that you're going to hit somebody else's kids, even if, even if that is just a disciplinary smack. You can't smack somebody else's children. And you can't really threaten to smack somebody else's children. I disagree with you a little bit on the idea that, he, I, I know he was using a figure of speech, but I do think he was initially, even if he backed off eventually, but initially saying, yeah, if she scratched me, I would smack her. Um, And I think he backed off a little bit afterwards. But again, whether you agree with Corey or not, or with that Courtney's not disciplining her kids enough, or whatever it is, I still really loved the way that Scott and Court came together to co parent, agreed on that, and went up against Corey for the sake of their kids. Like again, you know, Scott didn't agree with the way Court handled the Mason thing but that didn't stop her supporting him in this particular moment. And I just really love that relationship between those two.
1: Well, and going back to the Mason thing, I thought it was really cool. How Courtney, Courtney, sorry, Scourtney, about that. that's Cor- what it is. Scourtney, <laughs> how Courtney really handled that issue. Because like when Courtney was on the phone talking to him and he was like, no, you need to go pick him up from that play date and bring him home. Like, He cannot go do fun things if he does this at school. And she was like, you know what? I totally take that on board. I think that shows how strong their parenting has really gotten, you know, since Mason was born. Um, And I totally agree with you. I really like the way they come together. This is obviously something that they have discussed and decided that they are not about corporal punishment with their children. So that's, that's like a hard no for them. And I really liked how they came together and kind of fought Corey on that. I do agree with you that probably in the heat of the moment, Corey said that because he would actually try to do that. Corey also is not a parent. He has no no kids. So I think there are some times where if you don't have kids, quite honestly, you you can't give parenting advice because you you haven't been there. You haven't been there. You have not been in the trenches. You've not been in those like horrible moments where, you're hating life and everything is really, really tough. Um, I think any other person who was an actual parent probably would have never said that anyways because I just don't think... You say that to people as a parent. And quite frankly, I'm struggling with my own kids. I, I can't take on the problems of anybody else. Is. I know.
0: And, and to be honest, the, the, there's a couple of things. Firstly, I thought it was interesting when Kim was talking about the incident afterwards and she was saying, well, you know, Courtney and Scott have made that decision and that's entirely up to them. And I felt like the implication was that perhaps the other Kardashians hadn't and that, you know, smacking wasn't necessarily off the table for them. Um, you know, as a mother myself, I, I wouldn't stand here and say... I'm really into smacking but I have smacked my kids because one incident was we're in the petrol station forecourt and I was like you need to stay there I had my arms full of shopping do not move and she ran off across the forecourt and I was like what can I say to this kid now I can't just say no don't do that I say that when she steals a cookie from the cupboard like this was hard right. so for me I made that choice and it was a considered choice and let me tell you she's never run across the forecourt again but um, you're right, Corey can't make that decision. He's not a parent. And, you know, fine, get mad at me. But if you don't have kids, you don't understand. And you need to just back off when it comes to giving parental advice. Um, but also, let's talk about Corey, because I don't trust him and like him.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like he's backed off like he's not been as prominent in the series as he was when he kind of first came on the scene. I don't really know. I mean, a Christian, Jen- Kris Jenner Kardashian is a brilliant woman, and I am sure she is not entering into anything that she is not protected in and things of that nature. I kind of feel like if he makes her happy, that's probably all that really matters. Um I don't think he's, like, running around beating their kids or anything like that. I just don't really know what he
0: does. No. I don't like, know what he does. what do you do? do? But, I mean, I, yeah, Corey, what do you do? I mean, I just, it seems like a weird pairing for me, and that's not because uh, he's younger or anything like that. I just, I don't, I, I don't feel that he comes across as super smart, and I think Chris is fucking sharp as a whip, Um I don't like to see, I don't like anybody who makes Mama Chris cry. So, you know, already he's got a black mark against him. I think for me, there's just something where I can't quite trust him 100%.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a reason that they're still just boyfriend and girlfriend and their relationship hasn't moved forward. And I feel like maybe Chris just needs this time to have, honestly, really great sex and a companion, like, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. And if that's the role that he is providing for her, then knock yourself out, Mama Chris. Like, you know, enjoy yeah. it. Nobody, I mean, he's not the, he does, they don't, kids don't call him grandpa or anything like that. Like, he's just a dude that's hanging out with, you know, their grandma, which, you know, more power to her. Have a good time. Just be smart if you're moving forward. I don't know.
0: Yeah. And also, I, I mean, Chris Jenner at the winery, at the, like the wine tasting when she's drunk. Oh my God, can we just, she's my spirit animal and I love her.
1: Absolutely. I also love that when Courtney, or not Courtney, when Chloe and Kylie are planning the trip, Chloe's like, oh no. Chris, like, Mama Chris has to come because she is amazing in Napa, and she is, like, she's drunk, she doesn't care. I love when she's shouting at them to get off their phones in the car and, like, look at stuff.
0: (laughs) Oh my god, sorry to interrupt, but that, I wrote down about this because I loved at the beginning we saw, like, Chloe raise her eyebrows at Court's kids and, like, oh my god, they're, they're, they're so naughty, essentially, and you're not doing anything. And then we see them in the car, and I felt like Chloe's doing the adult version of giving her mum grief. And I was like, you know, get off your phones and answer your mother for God's sake.
1: (laughs) I know. I thought that was so funny. Um, it really is feeding my need to go to Napa and do wine tastings. That's something I've never done. Um, and maybe you and I should do that. Maybe that should be another trip.
0: Yeah. I think we've got a few planned. Um, so, yeah, I think that's more or less everything from the Kardashian. Oh, hang on. One thing. W- why does Jonathan get a party when he changes his name on Instagram?
1: Well, I think he actually legally changed his name. Like he, oh, hang the on. The Instagram like thing's real been name. gone for a long time. His real name, I think he's changed it to Food God legally, and that's why they had the birthday party, because he's done this blog like called Food God for ages now, and he's always been to re- referred to as such in the show, um, especially kind of these last... You know, few years. But I think he legally changed his name to Food God, and that's why they had the birthday party, which makes more sense to me. Like, it's his first kind of party as Food God, but.
0: Yeah, I'm really liking Jonathan on this. Like, his whole discussion about the security um, and having to fill in the form every day, and he's like, you gotta change it. Otherwise, it's like abuse. And, you know, I'm just laughing out loud at that point, because this is obviously obviously preceding the conversation about Corey beating children. So I'm like, yeah, of course, you know, that 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 evens out.
1: Right, right. And I love how he's like, I don't even do this for myself. I have an assistant that does all this stuff
0: for me. I mean, if if we all
1: could. Only have an assistant to do, like, life admin bullshit paperwork. Wouldn't that be amazing?
0: I mean, I'm with him, though. If I had to fill out an NDA every time I fucking turned up to my best mate's house, I'd be like, I am not coming anymore, bitch. And you can come to my house where it's civilized. 100%
1: 100% get your security to put your ass in a darked out car and just come the fuck over because I'm not signing any more of this bullshit. And I totally agree. They should have a computer system set up to where like you yeah. sign one, everybody knows that you've signed it. I feel like every other, you know, high security place has this in, in practice. So, you know, in, it can be in done. In this
0: day and age, it's a requirement. Um. So anyway, we're back on board with keeping up with the Kardashians. Uh, we'll never hear a bad word said against them. Um, Below Deck Med comes up next.
1: Ooh, and it's the one where uh, Joao is sick and Asia and Jack finally do it.
0: They bump uglies, have mucky cuddles, all of that All in that stuff. tiny
1: single bed. All in the tiny single bed bunk, which I feel would just make me feel super claustrophobic and completely unsexy.
0: Yeah, there's nothing sexy about that bunk. But you know what? When you're in your 20s, you just, you'll shag anywhere. Now I'm lucky if I get any shags.
1: Even in gigantic California king beds?
0: Well, you know, sometimes we make it work. (laughs) Um, Okay, so yeah, Joao Joao is sick, and, and he's like, still, he's like, I'll work. I'll still work. You know, at one point, he's got a temperature of 102, and he's like, I'm feeling so much better. I mean, at 102, I would be dramatically planning my own funeral, not like going to work.
1: No, that's like in your bed, under the duvet, iPad out, streaming all the ridiculous TV that you can, binging all sorts of episodes, literally doing nothing. Um, yeah, so he he was really sick, but Travis really stepped up and acted as Bosun, and we saw sober Travis kicking ass. Not we Curtis. Did an,
0: we didn't. Well, I, I, you know I now refer to him just as Curtis Travis. <laughs> that, I like to cover my bases. Um, but we did. We saw him come up. Here's the difference, though. Curtis Travis takes on the job, and rather than go, sure, you know, happy to do it, he's sick, whatever, he's like, great, I know fucking shitloads more than him. And I just think that's the difference, though, dude. That's why you're not Bosun, because Joao is a good leader, and with that kind of attitude, you're not a good leader, you're not a good manager. Um, Maybe, you know, as much as he's sober and it's better for him, although it's not making as good TV, I've got to be honest, um, he's got to. That's why he's not boson. He's got to step up and, and start being a little bit more mature.
1: No, I I totally agree with you. But it was nice seeing him kind of step up and do do well at the actual job versus yeah. what he was saying to the camera and like a confessional. Um, we also see Sandy be all over the interior's <gasps> ass. Oh, my she gosh. Has, she was like a rash.
0: She has got, I don't know what is wrong with her, but she has decided that she is going to work them hard like she's going to be all over them checking everything that they're doing and I don't know where it's come from um because I mean I see it in Hannah I do see what Sandy sees in Hannah which is kind of this uh what's I guess tiredness with yachting or just a lack of she's kind of complacent enthusiasm right Um, Yeah,
1: I feel like she's kind of complacent, like she doesn't, um, she's not pulling out all the stops, and I think Sandy really pushed her, and we saw her pull out all the stops, and it was incredible, and Sandy was super happy with like the Moulin Rouge party, and the table settings, like Hannah did really up her game, so like we called it, she's like us, where she'd be like, fuck you, I'll show you this, um... But I think Sandy makes a good point. Like I shouldn't have to be on her ass about this. This could have been our meals all season. This is what people expect. And honestly, I mean, their tips would have reflected that.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and it's interesting that obviously Ben, who I love and I'm one guy, one day going to marry, um, is pissed off with the interior crew as well, because he's like, just less love, more fucking work. And, it's that dynamic between the staff is really interesting because if they don't get on, then it's a nightmare. And if they get on too much, then it doesn't work either. You've got to get that chemistry just right. Um, and if you, if you overstep those boundaries and, and sort of eliminate the hierarchy, which I think is what Hannah's doing. She's, she's just being mates with these girls. Um, the fact that she's not stamped her authority as kind of their boss has led to them kind of mucking about a bit and not really focusing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I wrote down, like, Ben is getting really fucked off with the interior. But, like, I took a step back, and I was like, I actually would be, too. Like, if I was really plating these majestic plates, and people were, like, laughing and hugging and being all up in the galley, which is fucking tiny, I would feel really claustrophobic if I was Ben and just be like, just get the fuck out, let me do my shit, and then come pick up these plates. Because, ultimately, a a lot of their tip is based on food and, like you know, we've seen it throughout the season. I mean, this is the third chef in just one season um, on this boat. So I think, you know, I kind of agreed with him, like, take your fuckery outside.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm with you as well. I mean, I don't know about this table decor thing. I don't, is it just, they, is it just me? They just still look a bit budget shit to me.
1: I mean, I, I I think we need to maybe look at the taste level of these guests. I mean, I kind of agree with Hannah. I'm not one for, like, white glove service. I think that's a little bit dated um, for kind of modern food service. Uh, I think Ben's food is spot on for what people are looking for. But I would rather, personally, I prefer kind of minimal, though I loved the can-can dancers. Like, that would have been a lot of fun to, like, sit outside on a yacht and have, like, can-can girls come and, like, do their thing. That was 100%. But no, I totally agree with you. Like, the gold beads and all the fabric, like, all that, it's just messy shit, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and I think it was, this This episode for me felt a little, even though, obviously, we love Below Deck, this one felt a little little lackluster. And I wonder if it's, the guests didn't really bring much. I think Aisha at one point was like, they're boring. At, what's the most boring thing in the world? They're boring other than that. Um, they were, obviously, there was the one guy, Hannah has, like, guest groin again, where she's just, like, getting fizzy knickers for a guest but it nothing really comes of it and <laughs> Did you just uh, the call the it episode... guest Did you just call it guest groin? Guest groin. Yeah. Love it. She does. She gets guest groin every now and again. But um maybe this guy wasn't quite rich enough for her, but it didn't really go anywhere and frankly I just found this episode a little bit meh.
1: Well, it didn't go anywhere cuz he had a fucking girlfriend. Like they were chatting up at the bar in the evening and Hannah asked like, so are you seeing one? And he was like, oh yeah, I've got like a girl at home. It's pretty new. And she was like, okay, you just went from like an eight to a two. And then like yeah. she ended it right there, which well done, Hannah. I mean, he was cute for his surroundings, but I didn't think he was like, he would not be a dude that you'd spy across the room. Like he was cute comparatively.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And I think it just, the whole episode felt like a bit of a damp squib. but, um, but yeah, Sandy was just, I felt like she, she was probably on her period or something. I mean, that's the most feminist thing I've ever said. <laughs> uh, but it felt like that. It felt like she was hormonal and just, she felt like it, I feel the day before my period comes, where I'm just up everybody's ass and really I should just be in a dark room and left alone.
1: Yeah, but she can't because she's obviously yachting this boat and kind of in control of everything. I also wonder if this has just been like a slow build-up for her, like, you know, things just not getting done, things not getting done, things got getting done, and she just lost her shit this episode, which, you know, it was the last charter of the season, so if you're going to lose your shit, it would probably be that charter.
0: Yeah, and you know how last week, or was it the episode before? I can't remember. I was like, let's do a drinking game where they describe – the way they describe food in wanky ways. We had like a pickled pearl onion today, which in England is just a pickled fucking onion. Um, and anything, anything that's described, this is just a personal bugbear, but any food that's described as a deconstructed something, I, like, I, ca- I cannot roll my eyes any fucking higher. Well,
1: because I feel like deconstructed in English means taken apart, right? But I don't yeah. think that's the way they're using it. So it fucking drives me crazy. He's like, no, this is just a more modern take. I was like, that word does not mean fucking modern. Like, eh.
0: Yeah, it's supposed to be. I think it's like if you deconstruct it, I think you simplify it and it's not all mixed up. And I don't really. The point is, we don't really fucking know. And if we don't know what you mean when you call something deconstructed, then let's not call it deconstructed.
1: No, I think it's like a fancy term that's just thrown out there. Nobody really, the people who are eating the food don't really know what it means. So they just eat it and they feel like, I don't know, they feel fancy.
0: Yeah. I mean, if anybody just, if anybody else is cooking food, I'll eat it. Do you know what I mean? That's always a joy. Even if it's beans on toast, if somebody else has cooked it, I am down. Absolutely. All okay. right.
1: So that brings us to the real housewives of the OC, which um, talking about like brilliant quotes from the Kardashians, I felt like this episode was also riddled with brilliant quotes um we pretty much open up to like the pressing charges thing which interestingly enough like when we talked last week we thought it was like it, it was very wanky and like why did she even bring it up i think legally they have to if they know somebody else is hitting somebody else like they have to offer it just to cover their asses so that they're not overlooking any things i'm sure it's a legal thing here in the u.s um but literally like the first quote of the episode was i knocked some sense into that bitch by Kelly
0: <laughs> Kelly Kelly Kelly, she was like frighteningly frantic on this set. like she went from fucking beating people to hugging them to screaming at them to offering them a Xanax like I had no she was like an emotional whirlwind
1: she was all over the fucking place like Miraval had no fucking idea what they were in for. <laughs> I love it when they like cut to the staff's faces and they're just like, what the fuck? Like, we don't even know what to do. I mean, all this shit happens and like, I wrote, I wrote like everything that happened. And then I was like, damn, four and a half hours into this trip and shit is like flying all over the fucking place. Like, you know, the crystal healer comes then like Kelly and them join the Villa and they're eating dinner. And then Kelly hits Gina in the head. Gina flips <laughs> the fuck out. <laughs> And and Kelly's screaming at her about
0: like her DUI and warrants, and she's just like, what the fuck is going on? Honestly, it's like we're living in opposite world where like instead of going to Miraval and just being as super zen as you can be, Miraval is now the place where it just amps you up and sends you out like going in hot. It was it was mental. And then we so we had all the Kelly and the Shannon and the Kelly and the Gina, and then we had Gina and Emily, and then Emily and Tamra and then Kelly and... It was just a... Like, it was quite... I felt like I needed a Xanax after this episode.
1: It was like a minefield. Like, you, like, stepped over one. You're like, "Woo, I'm safe. And then, like, it explodes. And then you turn around and then there's another explosion. I was fucking exhausted watching this episode. I was like, I need to be drinking. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning because I'm actually sitting down watching this taking notes. So that's a no-go. But, I mean, I love when, like, Bronwyn calls gina the little sister and she's like when the fuck did i become skipper (laughs) love that quote um but kelly was really going below the belt with her like with the duis calling her like an unaccomplished woman and like all this bullshit and it's just like kelly you need to check yourself like a you are getting a very like high-end divorce with a, a very very wealthy man you have one child you don't have three and she's not under like 10 years old. Like, let's say the 10-year benchmark. Like, all of her kids are young and need her constantly and are calling her and are sad. And she's trying to navigate all this shit. She can't even drive. Like, there's a lot of shit going on in Gina's life. And I just think Kelly Kelly needs to
0: stop fucking going below. Yeah. Just going below. I don't know, wh- I don't know where this is coming from with Kelly. Like, I feel there must be something going on in the background. But she is unpredictable and volatile right now, and honestly, it's literally the worst place for someone someone like G- Gina to be because she doesn't she's a donkey on the fucking edge. She really is dealing with some shit. And as much as Kelly is calling herself accomplished, we can all own ten houses if we've been if we're divorcing really wealthy men. it's you know it's it's not fair if I think if anybody called me unaccomplished, whether or not I had you know, run a business or owned a house or anything like that. There's something so vicious about it. Um, And I think it's because it comes in the guise of a really lovely sort of word that isn't, you're a fucking twat. Um, I just, I I get it. I think Kelly's just really nasty.
1: Yeah, I think Bronwyn really nails it when she was like, you're in like the mindset of I'm hurting them before they hurt me. And I think that that alludes to like, there is something dark going on with Kelly, but she is being just a massive bitch. Like also I think she's like 15 years older than Gina. Like I should hope I'm doing better in 15 years. I hope everybody is like it's, it's, it's apples to bananas. Like you can't compare Gina and Kelly and what's going on in their life,
0: but no, and nor should you. And she's just being, there's something going on. Either there's something going on and it'll all come out and we'll figure it out, or she's just being a grade A bitch. And I and I yeah. I don't know which one it is, but she's nasty. Um, well, but she yeah. goes so
1: hot and cold because then we also see her with Gina, and Gina's like explaining everything that she's going through, and then she's like cuddling her in her arms. She's like, "Oh my God, she's shaking!" Like, I mean, I think she felt like a massive asshole in that moment. Which good, she needed to. Like, I yeah, think she sometimes, should. yeah.
0: But it's also like. She said, I think at one point, if I'd have known Gina was going through all this stuff, then I never... It's like, no, 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 no. Like, just don't do it anyway, because here's the thing. You never know what other people are going through, so don't be a twat to them. And that's bullshit.
1: You guys just had a full day out in L.A. where, like, everybody was talking about, like, what Gina's been going through. And, like, people who know what she's going through, like, is she really needs a good day. And you picked a fucking fight with her on that day, too. Like, you're being a dick.
0: Yeah, she is. We're writing Kelly off as a dick. She's going to have to do some serious legwork to get herself back in our good graces. I'm sure she's mega concerned. Um, and then Vicky turns up with fucking bags of fast food. <laughs> and I just love Vicky. I mean, I wouldn't want to be friends with her. I wouldn't want to get in the, in the right way, in the wrong way. I don't know whether I'd want to be near her. But watching her from the safety of a TV screen between us is, but she's one of my favourites.
1: Oh my gosh. But I did also notice all of the burgers were wrapped in like lettuce buns. There weren't actual buns on the burgers, other than I think Gina. Gina got like a normal burger, but everybody else got like their burger wrapped in lettuce. Um, oh my God. But I also loved how they called themselves the Trace Abuelas rather than the Tres Amigas because abuela means Spa- like grandma in Spanish.
0: Oh, so I, love that. I picked
1: up on that. They never said it again. So I was like, was that like a slip of the tongue or what? But um Oh yeah, my God, Vicky, just to interrupt, Vicky brings interrupt. fire.
0: Just to interrupt you very quickly, but going back to that, that grandmother thing, I loved the yeah. image that Chloe brought up in The Kardashians of when Stormy was 40 and her, Courtney, and Kim, like being 70 and going to her 40th birthday party. And she's like, I am going to be so fly. And I was like, Yes, you are. And I can't wait to see it.
1: And I think she said, like, we'll be like the Golden Girls, which... Yeah. Did you guys have in the UK? Yeah, yeah. So um, she'd be like the Golden Girls. But then, like, sorry, this is a weird Kardashian side note. Chris just starts crying because she was like, I just, like, I won't be there.
0: (gasps) Oh, God, I cried. I cried a little bit, too. Oh, my. I know. Um, Okay, so back to the OC. I mean... Yeah, we've got another episode at Miraval next time, right? Or are we done with Miraval
1: now? No, I think we've got one more at Miraval next time. Um, One thing I do want to touch on is like when Gina and Emily are having kind of their reconciliation talk in the bedroom, Mm -hmm. the minute Gina brings up Shane, Emily like shuts down and like won't listen to it. And I found that really interesting because it's just like this is supposed to be your best friend and she's bringing up some like real issues and you're kind of gaslighting her, like, telling her, like, no, 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 it's not happening, and just, like, storms off. Like, the leaving of people is something that drives me fucking insane. Like, no, we're having a serious conversation.
0: Like, you can't just walk out and be done. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's a really interesting dynamic for these guys at the moment, because they are both going through a lot of shit. And I think it's it's much clearer. Gina's been a little more open about the stuff she's going through. And Gina hasn't, and I think because she's not ready, she hasn't yet really admitted it to herself, so she's not talking about it, she's not being open about it, but neither of them, we spoke about this on the last episode, are just emotionally available for each other. They both want the other to support them, and actually neither of them are in a position to support somebody else. They need to focus on themselves, and I think it's hard when you're in it to see that, but I hope that eventually, I want somebody to point this out to them and go, look, you guys are both going through shit, it's okay. Like, you're not able to be there for each other. It's not because you don't love each other or that you, you know, you don't respect them, you don't care. It's because you just don't have the capacity, and that's okay.
1: Yeah. I did think Emily got a bit nasty when she, like, brought up Gina's drinking in the back of the bus with them and shit like that. And it's, I don't know, like, the nastiness really bothers me i mean it's fucking great tv like don't get me wrong but i'm just like this is is like your best friend like would you be that big of a dick like i don't know i wouldn't be i I don't judge anybody for drinking in the back of a bus
0: well we yeah i mean (laughs) who are we to talk but i sometimes i sometimes wonder if it's because it's your best friend that you're sometimes the one that that they're the ones that you go after harder because there's a safety there you know that eventually you're always going to come back together um And I do think you're right, like the nastiness is never good. But I think, I don't think Emily is a Kelly. I think it's coming from a place of her being really hurt and upset and lost and confused in other places. Um, I have no doubt they'll work it out. They'll come back together. I think they're both reasonable human beings. I don't think this is going to be a long time feud, but I think maybe they just need a little bit of space from each other.
1: Well, and I think it was interesting because like when... uh... They were all in that aerial yoga, and Emily kind of really confronted the other girls about like not not being nice to her, and they were like, "Well, you're kind of closed off, and you get really defensive." And actually, Emily was like, "Okay, like I'll I'll try to stop doing that." Like I actually thought that was like the most productive scene I have ever seen, where I think Emily was like really upfront, not like this bullshit like side chats stuff going on and I think you know hopefully she really takes it on board because I think like you can't expect people just to get to know you I mean I'm not saying the girls have been nice to her by any means but you know it's hard to be nice to someone you don't know I don't know do you know what I'm saying
0: yeah I think it's interesting I took it a slightly different way in that I felt like Emily's really lacks confidence in that group because they are intimidating and they are full-on and they are original almost or certainly long-standing um, housewives, and for that reason, I think they do have actually a responsibility to make her feel welcome, to make the effort to get to know her, because it's very intimidating for Emily to do it the other way. They're really tight, so I, I sort of feel like actually Emily stood up for herself and said, "You're not nice to me. You have never been nice to me. Um, every time I reach out, it's kind of it, it's undermined in some way." Um, and Tamara came, I felt like Tamara came at her with a kind of, no, it's your fault. And, and I think her lack of confidence, when I saw Emily apologize, I was like, babe, I feel like you should have maybe, I wanted you to stand up a little bit for yourself. Like, I, I, maybe accept it, maybe take it, maybe apologize, but also go, but Tamara, you need to stop fucking calling me Shrek.
1: Yeah, no, very, very true. No, I, I definitely see your point. I also think, though, like, that's also, like, a first season thing. Like, this is Emily's second season, so yeah. she kind of knows what they're about. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't yeah. keep kind of making first season mistakes. Like, you need to grow. Like, I know it's really hard when you're going through shit, but you need to build up your balls. And and I know Emily's got balls. Like, we, we saw her unleash on, on Gina, like, Maybe she just needs to unleash on the other girls the same way.
0: I think, really, she just needs to fucking unleash on Shane, get that out of a system, <gasps> and then, honestly, I think she'll be so much better. I think it's all coming out in the wrong place. Um, but, yeah, I can't wait to see what happens with these girls next time. Yeah, which takes us to uh, the Real Housewives of Dallas, still in Mexico. Oh, my God, yet again another it's going to be very hard to find a title for this episode um there was so many great so many great quotes yeah these Um, girls are brilliant
1: they're fantastic they are also super fantastic on social media just like they're always chatting with us through twitter they you know they're Chatting to us through Instagram, like, and they're really the only ones. Like, a couple other people have like liked our stuff, but literally every time we tweet about the Real Housewives of Dallas, they are all there. They are all chatting back. Like, it's a it's a very like Texas hometown feeling that I get from them. Which maybe just the well, they're Southern connection. girls,
0: just like you. But also, didn't Leanne say that she couldn't wait till? Because I think we tweeted about last week's episode because we had a lot of chat about mental health and kind of how Leanne was handling it and how Stephanie and Leanne was like can't wait to listen and we were like eesh you might not want to because we kind of think you're a dick
1: (laughs) but I think she's used to hearing that like it's definitely not the first season she's been a dick and I mean she she's a rough girl like um I do still think we would get along in some weird way and I don't know why I just have an affinity for her but I also think she's massively in the wrong um yeah yeah, so let, let's let get on the tequila train that was this episode. Like, I did a post for us about, like, a drinking game where every time they took a shot, you had to. I literally have marked, like, every time they took shots, like, in my notes. And oh my it's god, a that's such
0: episode. dedication. How many did you get? <laughs> did you Did you count them up?
1: Ooh, I didn't count them. Um, Between the shots and drinks, like... It was a lot. It was pretty much like every other line of my notes was that they took a drink or a shot. I love how Brandy explains that she did an Irish goodbye.
0: Oh my God, I've written it down as well because I've like, I've (laughs) gone, Brandy is so like me. I'm the queen of the Irish goodbye. I used to, when we used to go out, I'd sort of just disappear and Reagan would always text me. She's like, are you in a cab already? I'd be like, yeah, babe, I just just had to leave. And I get, because if you say oh, I'm going to go home. Everybody's like, oh, no, don't stay. And then, or you have to say goodbye to everybody. And it's like an hour later. I just get to a point where like something clicks and I'm like, nope, I need to go home to bed. I'm like a homing pigeon and I'm straight there.
1: We are 100% on the same page. Um, I, I went out like a few months ago and I was dancing and whatever. And I literally was just like, yeah, I'm done. I hopped in an Uber and I went home and I texted everybody else the next day. I was like, yep, sorry. It was time for me to go. I'm such a homing pigeon
0: when I'm done. The other thing as well that makes me like Brandy is that the first thing I start doing when I'm drunk is cartwheels. So pretty much me and Brandy, <laughs> feeling, I'm feeling like a true spirit animal. with her. And actually, while we're on Brandy and we're jumping about a little bit, but like we can talk about Brandy and Cameron and the, yeah. the kind of beef between them, because I get, I totally get where Brandy's coming from.
1: I think Brandy's 100% in the right on this one. And I think Cam is being fake as shit. Like Cam knows what she said would elicit that exact reaction. I also don't understand her reasoning behind she called her trash because she said fuck you to her
0: face. But she called her a bitch to her face. Like how is fuck any worse than bitch? Listen, I love, I do love, I I actually wrote the beginning of this episode that Cam, Cameron is becoming kind of a bit of a crush for me in certain ways. At the beginning, she made me laugh a lot. She's like, "These are extremely dangerous stairs, but for the sake of bikini season, I'm going to risk." Like, she's risking her life for that. That's. I just think she's brilliant. And she's like, "If you match your undies to your outfit, there's a big chance we're going to be friends." Like, lots of that I 100 percent
1: wrote that quote down.
0: Yeah, but but then I see this, and I think honestly. Uh, and I don't mean to be mean, but I, I just don't know if she's really picking up on it because I just don't think she she's getting it. Like, I think she's calling her trash be, to be mean and hurtful. And I don't think she is thinking it through. She's not hearing Brandy when it's like, but this word is a problem for me particularly. I have a, it's a trigger for me because of my childhood. Like, right. at that point, Cameron just goes, babe, I had no, like, should go, sorry. I had no idea. I'm really sorry next time I'll just call you a wank puffin instead and I'll insult you that way because, and that's fine. Like Brandy's not really saying, don't insult me, don't call me names. She's like, don't call me that name.
1: Right, but I don't know if Cam really wants to hear her because we see them in like the pool at the very end of the episode when like Carrie the counselor is like trying to get them to like really talk to each other about this issue. And I think Brandy is well up for it. Like she kept calm, like she was really trying to explain. Cam just walked off like Cam. I don't know if she wants to understand. And that kind of makes me hate her a little bit. Like, look, like we've all said dumb, stupid shit when we're drunk, like no judgment. We've all been there and done that. But I think when somebody comes to you in a very open, kind of honest, vulnerable state, you fucking listen to them. Like, I I thought that was a huge dick move on her behalf just to, like, get up and go. And it's like, no, like, she's trying to be real here and really address this issue so it doesn't become this fucking thing that goes on and on and on.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think Cameron was kind of a a bit of an emotional idiot at that point, frankly. But then, you know, I don't know, maybe there's just too much booze involved at that point. Maybe maybe they're going to have a conversation about it the next day and clear all this up. But I went from really loving Cam and her kind of, ridiculous comments and quotes at the beginning to being a bit like hey like come on you're better than this and just the snobbery that comes out in her when she feels threatened like she kind of uses that as a bit of a defense um yeah I was kind of disappointed with with her on that one
1: yeah I would agree on that I also love the fact that every single one of them popped a squat behind the horse trailer at the polo because they couldn't (laughs) walk to the toilet. I literally wrote, you can take the girl out of Texas because that's a hundred percent. Like I would do the exact same thing. Like if I was that hammered, because by then they had done one, two, three, three shots. And at least two instances of heavy drinking all by the time I got to polo. So like, you can't wait, you can't wait. But I I really like how kind of real these women are like they're real yeah. chicks to some degree. I mean, the drama gets take, crazy, but
0: yeah, they don't take themselves too seriously. They um they're fun, there is a lot of drama, they're batshit crazy, but they're not as sort of far removed as kind of the real housewives of the Beverly Hills are like that for me, as much as I love them, is like a whole different level. I genuinely feel like I could hang out with these Dallas chicks and we would have an absolute blast. Um, Yeah. But the quotes at the polo for me were excellent. We had Brandy saying, I speak horse fluently. I mean, again, it's another contender for the title, the episode (laughs) title. And we had Stephanie saying, I always wanted to have that pretty woman experience without the prostitution. Um, you know, it's just, and the tequila is free flowing and Deandra is on, like, she is on one. You you already know that she is, she's blacking out. Like she's on the, oh, on the she train to black out. Oh, She's is fucking hammered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she is
1: super fucking hammered. The only question I have about this polo match is where the fuck else are all the people? They are literally okay. the only people there at the polo match.
0: Well, Carrie says like, that she it, organized private? this. Yeah, she said she organized oh. this polo match. But I'm like, that's weird. Like Yeah, like just six girls watching a polo match and and actually they're not even watching it. They're sitting down just getting blind drunk or squatting behind the horse thing. Like obviously they needed something to do in Mexico. And and speaking of things to do, we left the uh, polo match to go to the Culpa, the enormous uh, meditation bowl, which turns out is just about big enough to sort out this clusterfuck of shit that surrounds these women.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm kind of wondering if Bravo is going to start sponsoring sound bowls because we see like the sound bowl in the Real Housewives of Orange County with like the hitting of the head. And now the Real Housewives are all laying in a massive sound bowl. So it's sound bowl season was actually what I wrote down um, right next to it. But um I thought that moment was really cool. I felt like they all really came together and a lot of them let shit go. Cause I know like Stephanie before this was kind of talking about how triggering Leanne's story is for her and how every time, you know, she tells it, she, you know, she goes through a lot. Um, I also, sorry, we totally sorry, skipped over bit, if you don't mind.
0: Oh, well no, we can come back to the culprit, but going back to the Stephanie yeah. thing that you were saying, there's that moment where you get the producer asking them, why do you put such a brave face on it and, and, and never let really people know how much you're struggling? And she just replies with saying people don't like to be around people that don't make them feel good. And that sentence for me was so important because if you've suffered from depression and or any kind of sort of mental health issues, that's such a the crux of it and being able to verbalize that is really important. That's the reason people don't ask for help. It's the reason people feel like they can't talk about it. It's such an important issue. And the fact that Stephanie is using this platform to talk about that is really inspiring to me, but also just I hope is something that's helping other people.
1: A hundred percent. I loved how open and honest and vulnerable she is in like those confessions. I I think she that is exactly the way she feels. I I could really, I think everybody can identify that whether or not, you know, your highs and lows are that, you know, big. I think everybody can kind of identify with sometimes you you just put on a happy face and kind of don't really involve other people. I I'm in love with Stephanie this season. I, I love what she's doing with her platform. I love how eloquent and vulnerable she is about talking about her stuff. Um, and yeah, I, I, I feel like she must be reaching loads of people. And I'm really glad, like, I'm really glad she's using her kind of stance in, you know, pop culture to promote such a positive kind of, I don't know.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think it's really good that we've got Stephanie alongside Leanne, because I think it's clear they're both at two very different stages of their mental health. And at the moment, Stephanie's really trying to engage with it, embrace it, fix it not fix it but manage it whereas Leanne is still very much in denial like there's still so much stuff going on there she can't be vulnerable she can't she can't own it at the moment and that's not her being a bad person she's just in a very very different state but it's interesting because I don't think Leanne realizes how textbook she is on that I think she thinks that um I think it surprises like. Of course, Carrie's going to call her negative. She is negative. Of course, people are going to say, you're doing this, you're doing that, because we can all see her doing it. We can see her manipulating. Um, but she can't, there's, there's, she's just not in a place to be aware enough to see it herself.
1: Yeah, no, I think she's stuck in like the anger phase. And yeah. I think she's probably been there for a very long time. And I mean, she she has had some horrific things happen to her. But I definitely think she needs to get to the level of where she can talk about it without being so aggressive to other people. Because I think that really puts people off, which again, you are dealing with your own feelings kind of sometimes who cares what other people think when you're dealing with your own. But I think this has been such a long period of time for Leanne. like, she doesn't know any other way to do it. And yeah. you know, I wonder if seeing Stephanie kind of tell her story in a more kind of
0: open and vulnerable way will help her a little bit. I hope so. I mean, she's, you know, I I, I also feel, obviously the evening dinner where it all kicks off in, in a completely crazy way. Um, is fueled by the tequila. I feel like since the first couple of seasons, Leanne is very much keeping herself sober in surrounding, surrounded by the other girls who are drinking, and it's it's not as far as I know anything to do with the fact that she has a drinking problem or anything. I don't think it's that. I think she's being very, very, very careful and not letting herself go down that route. Right. Or, and this is kind of the cynic in me. Or, again, it's another tool of manipulation so that she can maintain the power and maintain the control in all those situations. That kind of feels more what it is for me. I'm finished. That's all I had to say. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I think that's really interesting. I definitely, yeah, I mean, you can see it go both ways. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. Like, when when they're at the dinner after... The polo match and like all the fighting kind of kicks off and quote unquote drunk ass Deandra kind of gets up and is like screaming at them for Carrie and Leanne <laughs> to like have their moment in front of everybody else. At first I was really pissed off at her. I was like just let them go and have a fucking chat like me too your drunk ass down. <laughs> but As it played out, I kind of understood what she was saying, that, like, when some of these things are taken to a sidebar, a lot of other shit starts flying around. So if we just address our issues together, we can all be on the same page about it. But she 100% did not go about it
0: the right way. No, I was 100%. I went through the same emotional journey on that particular segment as you did. Like, I was like, no, just fucking let them speak. And then, oh, no, she makes a good point. But when you're that hammered, you're probably not in a position to kind of make a smart point. Even if it is a smart point, nobody's really listening no. to you at that point. I mean, Deandra is a hot mess. She's a fun hot mess, but she is a hot mess here. And, uh, yeah, she she needs to step out. And, and also Brandy's itching for a fight at this point as well. And, and you know, yeah. Brandy's getting scrappy. And I get it, you know, she she's talking about the click and, and all of this. And Cameron says, well, no, I think actually you and Stephanie are the real click and she do, and again Cameron does make a good point kind of links in with Emily at real housewives you know Cameron's felt like she's not been able to to get in there to to get to know them and make friends and while it's i just don't you know what it is i don't like the word click because it's yeah. totally fine for brandy and stephanie to be super close that's totally fine it, calling it a click makes it feel nasty and vicious and it isn't Yeah. They just i think they just need to maybe open up a little bit to let people like cam in but then cam's you know cam's kind of a dick some she's you know stephanie says she's just got to stick up her ass all the time so you know again it's like it's a bit like the the emily situation on on orange county
1: yeah i think it's interesting though because i feel like a stephanie has made an effort to kind of hang out with other people as she kind of points out later on in the episode like I'm. We were both fine rooming with who we were. You were the one that said that we were not making any yeah. a big deal about it at all. And I think Brandy's even stepped out because like she and Leanne are kind of repairing their friendship previous to this trip, kind of outside it as well. Um, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the deal is with with Cam and Brandy. I don't think they're ever going to be friends. I, I think there is a snobbery class issue. Yeah. Between both of them, I think Brandy has come from a place, you know, that that was not as privileged as Cam. And I don't ever think Cam's going to see eye to eye on that because she just doesn't know. And I I wish she'd just open up her brain a little bit and kind of welcome that other people have had other experiences. Because I think like she comes off when when Cam talks in this episode, like about like the click and things like that. She does come off as like seeing the problem and really want to work it out. But then you run away when somebody's trying to be, like, vulnerable and really chat to you. So, I don't know. We'll see. I'm on the fence about Cam. Um, but my favorite part of, like, that drunken night was Deandra on her back with her dress up over her head with her spanks fucking
0: flying loud and motherfucking proud. <laughs> All hail Deandra. Flashing her spanks, She is epic. She... Uh, Yes, yeah, she's causing trouble, but she's just letting loose. She's having a great time. She's got shit going on with her business. I loved her in this. She comes back and she's like, I want to go swimming. And Carrie's uh, like, well, if DeAndre wants to go swimming, why not? I can, I can literally think of a million reasons why DeAndre shouldn't be in a swimming pool <laughs> right now, honestly. <laughs> yeah. But then her like sexy little dance for Stephanie, like her killing herself laughing, like belly laugh, just made me laugh too. I, she was brilliant. Um, And also, just going back to that night in the dinner, again, we've got a few more quotes because, like, Brandy's parting shot of, go suck a dick, is just brilliant to Cameron because she's such a sensitive little soul and you just know that was too much for her. But also, when uh, Cameron's described as Leanne's little dingleberry... Maybe that's I mean, the episode
1: of the. Sh- maybe that's the I name think of this that, episode. Little Dingleberry. I think that's what it is.
0: I think it's, I think it's Little Dingleberry. <laughs> because it's just, I'm adopting it and using it every day from now, from henceforth.
1: Yeah. That's like an old school word. Like I haven't heard it in years. We used to, I mean, that was like an insult back in
0: elementary school for me. Um, I know. But
1: it's fucking hilarious.
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, just to be clear, is it the same in English as it is in American?
1: Where it's like a little bit of poop that's
0: trapped in hair. Yeah, Yeah. that's, yeah, it's the same. Good. Glad we got that sort of Glad we're on the same cultural page. (laughs) Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, this isn't the most highbrow podcast you'll ever hear, but... uh, But it's fucking fun. (laughs) It's fun. Every day's a school day. So if you didn't know what a dingleberry was, you do now.
1: Yep, that's called online learning.
0: Yeah, so anyway, let's move. I'm excited to see it because there's another episode in Mexico next week. So this is only going to get better.
1: Yeah.
0: First of all, just excuse the massive bang that just happened. I think (laughs) that might be my husband returning from shopping. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to just tell him to be really quiet. Um, Okay, last one, million dollar listing New York. Yeah...
1: Yeah, I mean, so here's the deal. I think I really like that these men have all grown, but they've grown to a point where it ceases to be good reality TV, like because I think feuds are interesting, like the Real Housewives are fucking amazing because they're always stirring up shit and they've got shit going on and it's exciting and it's an emotional journey Million dollar listing, like they are all just getting along right now. Yeah, it's not. I an, agree. It's, it's it's not that engaging. I mean, first off, we do see that Luis has had like the opening shot is Luis and the baby, and then he's can we gone just give again.
0: It, can we just give his baby mama a bit of a shout out here? Like her debut on international television. I literally was introduced to her coochie before I was introduced to her. Right. Like, which is like she's a queen. Don't get me wrong, but it all it. This whole Louise thing has been weird. I don't know what's going on. Three, four episodes ago, it looked like we were just about to be introduced to his baby. Then all his socials go quiet. Then we don't hear anything, hide nor hair not even mention of him for two or three weeks. And then we get like five minutes, including, yeah. literally including, the birth of his daughter. And I just think in days gone past when Luis was in this, which I sort of felt like he was back in it, this would have, why is this, it was squished under the car it was like squeezed in it was really quick it felt like we didn't really get enough and then he's gone again
1: well and i didn't even realize he actually had his child before everybody else which is crazy yeah. but he doesn't put up a picture of her on social media until like the night before this episode drops
0: well I like suspect, he wiped his I think, social media yeah i think they're it all up on, there. Um, i think they're all on like they're told when and what they can post.
1: No, because Ryan has had pictures of his baby up since the minute she was born. Like, they do stories with her. Like, she, like Xena, I think is her name, has been all over social media all before all of this. So, like, that felt weird and contrived. I I just don't know. Like, I I don't know. Like, I I was first all excited about him coming on, and now I'm like, I don't fucking care.
0: You know what, as well? I, I just don't know if he's in the right place to be like if he's going I feel like there's something going on and maybe he needs a bit more looking after than we think like socials don't go dead and then pick up for no reason like I just I I wish and there's nothing written about it like I keep searching for news articles or tabloid or uh, there's literally nothing about it and it's weird so I as I say this every week I hope he's okay but um there just seems to be a real disconnect in Million Dollar Listing New York right now. And yeah, I I don't know. I mean,
1: the only thing for me this week that made it mildly entertaining was, again, kind of the interchange between Ryan and Tyler and how, um, like, there's kind of like a little, like, I think they're teasing kind of a rivalry starting up because here's like this new kid who's trying to get a start. He keeps hearing about Ryan and all his listings and, like, maybe that will go somewhere. But, yeah, I'm just, there's nothing that's grabbing me emotionally or even, I mean, I did not even take notes on this episode. I did just watch it today, but, um, I just didn't feel like I needed to, like there, there wasn't anything gripping about what's happening. Um, yeah, I don't know.
0: I think Bravo are aware of it as well, which is why they've introduced Tyler, but I just don't think Tyler's enough to breathe life back into it. You know, he's too calm. He's too kind. He's too, I mean, he's funny and sweet, but this ep- this show doesn't need any more funny and sweet. It needs like, it needs a dose of Kelly Dodd or Leanne. You know, that's what it needs. Well, otherwise, it needs to be. Otherwise, what I'm it just watching a property show.
1: Right, right. I mean, everybody can watch Home Hunters on HDTV. like that's not hard to find. There's a load of home shows out there. But yeah, I mean, I, I want it to be what it used to be when like Ryan was like pranking Frederick at the showings and like causing all sorts of ruckus. And like, while I'm I'm genuinely glad like they're all growing. It's 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 not good for reality TV. It's not like, making good TV anymore. There's, there's no drama. I guess that, that's the whole point. Like, there is no drama in the show. And so what is the show?
0: Well, it makes me really want Million Dollar Listing LA to come back because they have all yes. that. It's the Altman brothers and David and the other British guy whose name I can't remember. Peter, John, Terry. It's not Terry. Um, you know, that's good. And obviously we had the conversation between Frederick and... Uh, oh, my God, what? What's his husband say? I'm putting Reagan on the spot now. We've forgotten. Anyway, Mr. Frederick, um, about the move to L.A. And, and obviously, if you look at Frederick's Instagram, we know that that has happened. He's now living in L.A. I really hope they put Frederick... I really hope they ditch Million Dollar Listing New York, put Frederick into the Million Dollar Listing L.A., and then have Ryan Serhant just come and do, like, little guest lots whenever he's in L.A.,
1: yeah, because Ryan has an office in LA. I think we've already seen him. Last season, a million dollar listing yeah. LA, we saw him in it. So maybe they'll just do one million dollar listing where we get Frederick and Ryan
0: occasionally. And um, that'll be it. Uh, we still don't know his name. Why, are Derek. We?
1: Derek is Derek. his name.
0: Of course it's Derek. I did love that little interchange between Derek and Frederick where he's like, the kids are stir crazy. They need to go outside. And Frederick's like, they're in an 8,000 square foot penthouse. I think they'll be okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but then I think like we kind of see like Derek's like, but I grew up in like this beautiful place, and I was always playing outside. And I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, think, I get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, unless Million Dollar Listing really picks up, then I just don't know if there's much to. I don't know if we need to come on every week and go. We're so bored. There's of nothing Dollar going Listing. on. <laughs> we might. We, we'll take an exec We'll, we'll have a little production yeah. chat about it. See if we can't scratch it from our from our uh, until it gets good or until la starts and we'll add it in i love LA. Yeah, yeah
1: la will definitely be coming in we have uh getting off the shows that we've watched this week um it was announced this week the premiere dates for real housewives of new jersey <gasps> was and, it? I missed
0: it! and the real housewives of atlanta so, oh my god um, so i've only we, just started. i know that this doesn't seem to fit because atlanta is obviously one of the most popular housewife franchises But I'm going to fess up that I have literally only just started watching it.
1: Yeah, so Real Housewives of Atlanta was just announced yesterday. The trailer is fucking bonkers. Everybody should go and watch it now. I was trying to figure out a way to download it and put it on our socials. I'm not that tech savvy yet. Um, But if I can, I will. Can Um, we not? Is there a YouTube? Is there a Bravo YouTube or at least a link on Facebook? Maybe there we can is. just link it. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. We can do it on Facebook, definitely. We'll put the preview up there. But they're starting November 3rd. And then also the trailer for The Real Housewives of New Jersey is equally as fucking insane. And um, let me just get the date. I think
0: they are... Well, while you do that, this again, yeah. another reason why I think we can drop Million Dollar Listing in New York because we've got Atlanta and Jersey coming up. We, we don't need New York million dollar list. No, and not. we,
1: I mean, because we've also got Below Deck coming back as well. So, I mean, there's all sorts of of good stuff coming out of Bravo.
0: Um, Just while you look for that day again, I, and it's not reality TV, but on the plane over here, I started binging Chernobyl. Have you seen that? Oh, yes. Oh, Holy yes. shit balls. Don't think we're just about reality TV. Like, we love it, but also we are, I mean, I am watching, I was watching this show, I could not stop. Like, not, I mean, just the history of it all and the real, rea- like, yeah. actually, the re- I was five when Chernobyl happened, so I didn't know anything about it really, obviously learned about it in school and things, but um, just to see the actual reality, the way it's filmed, totally conveys just how devastating this incident was like it it makes every disaster movie look amateur like this was and it's just so beautifully filmed beautifully written beautifully acted it's it's not a happy watch I'll be honest and um it's pretty fucking gruesome but it's if you are looking for something to watch go to chernobyl and it, it, I swear you will not regret it
1: no my two takeaways from chernobyl was I feel like it's incredible how nature reclaims itself because like it, it was devastating. And like the pe like people for generations upon generations are dealing with it. But the, I feel like the earth is just growing over everything. And I think that was fascinating to me. I guess I, I, I feel like I learned about it, but it's not in like my conscience every day, like knowing about Chernobyl, but I agree with you. It was fantastic. The only thing I felt was a bit jarring are the British accents of the Russian people that always throws me in movies. Um, So all these people are speaking with the British accent, but they're supposed to be Russian. That bothers me a little bit, but the acting was incredible. So I I forced my way through it and and it was um, fabulous. I just finished binging the handmaid's tale. The three seasons that is on Hulu over here, which
0: I'm guessing may be the hey You over there. I think it's a no. It's on no? Um, Okay. It's on Now TV. Hand, Handmaid's Tale is on Now TV here.
1: Okay. I just finished the season three
0: finale and was fucking bawling my eyes out. Like, oh my god, I haven't watched it yet. I'm oh. redoing. I'm going from season one. Um, but yeah, it's there's lots of good stuff. So if you're whatever you're watching or binging, then let us know as well. Obviously, we've got the uh, we're on Facebook at. Tv My Husband Hates, Instagram at Tv My Husband Hates, and Twitter at TV Husbands hate And of course, if you want to drop us an email, you can you totally can at hey at tvmyhusbandhates.com. And I'm laughing because for some reason, when I've got a microphone in front of me, I cannot say hey normally. <laughs> I, hey. I always end up going, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> um, uh, I also uh, just yeah.
1: have the date hold on. I have the date for the real housewives of New Jersey and that's November 6th. So that's a big week in November that both of these shows are coming out and, um, yeah, they look bonker balls.
0: I'm excited. All right then. So is that us for this week?
1: That is us for this week. Um, please remember to review us and rate us wherever you are listening to your podcast. That really helps us like get up on those charts and, just spread the word about us, guys. Uh, I'm sure we all have people that love reality TV,
0: and um, let's welcome them into our tribe. Yes, and also, this is the first week Well, we've been recording that we are now definitely on Apple, on iTunes, aren't we? So we, you can now find us on Spotify, Finally! on iTunes, and on Google Play, and I think pretty much anywhere you need to find your podcast, we're now there.
1: Yes, we are there. Loud and proud. Listen, rate, review, subscribe, all
0: that good stuff. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next week. Please subscribe, rate, and review TV My Husband Hates wherever you listen to your podcast. You
1: can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at TV My Husband Hates, and join the Facebook group to keep the conversation going when the podcast ends. If Twitter's your thing, you'll find us at TV Husbands Hate. Theme music and production for TV My Husband Hates by Jimmy Sims.